Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Last we left our group of adventurers, they were fleeing from the camp as it had just been set ablaze by the orcs that had been previously working for the cult. With the monk Leoson leading the way, they ran as far as they could during the night, putting the cultist camp far behind them. Eventually, they found themselves cresting the hill overlooking Greenest, and as the early risers of the town gathered round, welcoming the captured villagers back, Escobar and the mayor arrived, also welcoming the heroes back. A week-long celebration was set in place where Lance and Mal shared a tea party with Ardina and Morin, who were recently reunited, and then also Leosin and Fleeple. They spent time investigating the papers they had stolen from Mondath's desk. After realizing that the terrible poetry about dragons was actually a cipher, they were able to read the notes Mondath had made about recent events. With some information coming to light, Leosin pleaded with Fleeple and asked if he and his party would be willing to go back to the cave and gain substantial proof that could be presented. Bonding over their shared belief in Bahamut, Fleeple assured him that the hammers are on the job. So coming back into Greenest, uh, your week has pretty much wrapped up. Leosin is wrapping up his affairs in Greenest and heading north as he said he previously had to. Mal, as you're spending your last evening here in Greenest before you head out, uh, Escobar comes over to you and goes, uh, Malamara. Yes? And I would I would say Lance is awkwardly hanging around, too. Lan- Lance has been following right, very awkwardly right, right. Malamara this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I know you've been looking for uh, something like this, and uh, I, although I don't quite know exactly what you need it for, but... well. Here you go. And he hands you just one large-ish bundle. And as you open the the tarp, the cloth that's holding it, strong incense just kind of puffs out of it. And you feel that you have sufficient incense. Uh, for intents and purposes, you have 20 gold pieces worth of incense there. So I cast twice? Yes. So when you can cast your find familiar spell twice. Well, I uh, just wanted to make sure you got your supplies before you headed on out and... I pretty much had to shake down the last three caravans as they were coming through to get this much up, but, uh, well, you done, you done Greenest a great service. I wanted to make sure we got it all to you nice and square. Uh, thank you so much. That, uh, this is, what an incredible gift. Thank you so much. Um, I, how can I repay you? Do you want the gold? I can, and she starts shuffling through her bag trying to find the gold pieces to pay him back for the incense. That's mighty kind of you, and I don't know if, uh, but I don't think it's appropriate you saving our lives and bringing back the prisoners and uh, us paying you already for doing that. It's just take it as a gift from uh, a grateful dwarf, if you will. Well, thank you. I, I re- this means so much to me. Um, could I could I bother you to ask? Um, I, I am in need of some hand axes before we leave as well. Um, as we're packing up, I, w- I realized that I needed some some you know new weapons. Uh, is there a way that I could you know? Find those around Greenest. Oh, well, I'm sure uh, with you being at Morin's, I'm, I'm sure uh, occasionally throughout the week, I, I can't imagine that uh, he would refuse any such requests or offers you had, but uh, if, whatever he can't whip up, you just swing on over by the keep and we'll get it out of our armory for you. 
Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for all you've done. I, we, you know, we appreciate it. I, I mean, I appreciate it, Lance. You, yeah, thank you. Yes, it, um, so, so grateful. Lance, I, appreciation. I didn't, uh, quite see you there. And so, uh, with a, like, with an awkward five seconds of just, uh, dead air. Well, all right then, I'll, uh, just, I'll be looking forward to you, and, um, uh, you always have a friend here on Greenest. And with that, he just walks away. So, Mal, how many hand axes did you need? I just need two. Okay, sure enough. Easy enough to get. You are supplied there as well. Uh, are there any other, like, random supplies that people need before they, uh, you head out of Greenest here? I would like to try and find some health potions. Oh, okay. Uh, we won't RP this, but go ahead and roll me a investigation. That's a 13. 13. Uh, you spent a good day within the whole week, just uh, sort of like casually, like, hey, you have any health potions? Hey, do you have any health potions? You know, that, t- that type of thing. But it doesn't look like uh, Greenest has much from what the mayor has already offered to you. Uh, and if you recall, I believe he gave you five, six health potions in the entirety of you coming into camp as well. And uh, none of the caravans that have been passing through this week have any health potions to buy as well. Unfortunately, out of luck there. Um, but I do believe, Lance, you wanted to show uh, Leosin your worm. Yes. <laughs> and so... You want to see my worm? <laughs> what a nope. sentence. Nope, take it back. Nope. Take it nope. back. So after you've all slept and you wake up the same morning as Leosin, you, you both are packing up. And uh, Lance, you call Leosin aside and goes, Ah, yes, uh, what... What can, what can I do for your Leosin? Uh, for, uh, what can I do for your last? Yes, um, I know that you're particular in the study of this dragon cult, and while we were oh yes yes while course, we were course, yes. on our way there, we had run into some kobolds of that particular camp and dispatched them shortly. But I found this interesting item on one of them, and it's it's unusual. So I thought. You could take All a right. look and maybe you know what's going on. I will pull out the little case, open it up with the worm that has a mask on it. Leosin spends a good 15 seconds staring into this box. Not moving, not touching, but just staring at it. I I, I didn't I didn't make the mask. I'm not I'm not like a weird person like that. Like that. But uh I yeah, so that that wasn't me. I I didn't do that. That's how we found it. After this pregnant pause, he slowly looks up to you and goes, Well, that thing just gives me the hibby-jeebies. Yes, yes. Uh, me me and Fleeple were both very perplexed by this. Is that, suppo- is that supposed to be a half-orc? What are you talking... What? What do you mean? What, the, the papier-mâché faces there. I'll look at it. Does it look like a half-orc? Well, it's very green. Ah, uh, um... I guess it, it. I guess it kind of. I guess it kind of looks like an orc face. Why would they do that to a worm? Um, the other side also has an elf on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh, Mal! Of course, we've been hanging around <laughs> each other so much this morning. Well, and, rem- and remember, Mal is like awkwardly hanging out with Lance the entire time as well. So just around each other. Oh. Malamara, you're so right. The other side, the other side, kind of looks like an elf too. My gosh, why would they do that? I'm not going to lie. Um, I cannot look at this any longer. Um, Close for box. fear of thank you, thank you. Uh, for fear of um, me losing my breakfast. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, it that it smells awful. Well, the worm is dead. We didn't feed it. We were. It's very me, apparent. Me and Fleeple were very neglectful caretakers of it. Um, I, I just might, you know, throw that away, and ignore it, or. But we wanted to know, like, what the significance of this was before we. I don't it. know. I don't know of any significance uh, that could come from a worm with these heads on it. Um, I logically can't fathom any reason why anybody would do that. So... So throw it away, is your suggestion. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have picked it up in the first place, so... We just didn't know if it had some symbolism behind it, or or if it's something that has to do with the cult and what they're trying to get the kobolds to do or something. Oh, well... If it has something to do with the cult, it is lost on me. And I am what you might say considered a partial expert on the cult, so I think you're safe in assuming that it has little to nothing to do with the cult. Cool. Mm. I'll chuck the box. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. There you go. Good to know. Um, well? That I carried around a worthless worm. And uh, after this conversation comes to a close, uh, Leosin goes up to Fleeple. Goes, Wait, have I been there this whole time? Oh, well, this is uh, just uh, the morning of your departure, um, okay. as you both are about to part ways. You, you're you milling about whether you're getting additional provisions. I don't, uh, who knows, but he, he finds you before he departs, I, I should say. And as he finds you b- before both of you depart and goes, well, Fleeple, I... I know we've only known each other for quite a short time, but I I feel that I can trust you. And I'm I'm grateful that I have a a comrade. An unexpected one, but a comrade that can see this through where I cannot. Ah, well I do give off those kind of vibes, so it's not all that surprising. And with that he uh reaches his hand down towards you and grasps your your wrist in a like a a brotherly, like, brotherhood embrace type of a thing, uh, and his hand totally just envelops your entire wrist, and yours, like, your claws, like, barely wrap around his arm as well. Yes. Until we, until we meet again. Indeed. Perhaps uh, I might be able to see what candle keeps someday. I don't know what God has in mind, but maybe someday. <laughs> Perhaps I might find myself down there um, trying to investigate a little bit more of this cult. At first, I have to go up north, but Candlekeep is a short second after that, so um, perhaps we will see each other then. Perhaps so, indeed. Well, if there's anything urgent, I will have a courier sent here to Greenest, so um, maybe before you venture further away, you can uh, check back in with Greenest once you have made your uh, investigation of the camp there. Oh, certainly. Greenest is my uh, kind of new home, as it were. Well, I wish you all good luck. Good journey, and may Bahamut's blessing smile upon all of you. And upon you as well. And I give him a little bow. And Lance and Mal, as you turn to uh, head on the road, and Fleeple, just as you're about to turn, Leosin, uh, as he's, he starts walking backwards slowly, and he does the finger guns towards you. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of chuckles to himself, and like, hey. <laughs> Yes. And I, I turn towards Malance and say, Is he biting my style? <laughs> <laughs> you might you might have a, a trend going, looks like. Oh, 
Oh, I'm a trendsetter. Trendsetter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never thought I'd say that about myself. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to be careful because oftentimes the the creator isn't the one who who's given credit. So copyright that now. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh goodness. Uh, I, I'll need to find the notary real quick. Yes. Good. I, they're probably at the keep. Let's go. <laughs> and you head off onto the road. <laughs> Before we leave, what 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 are the odds that I find the worm box by the side of the road as we're leaving town? Uh, as you, as Lance uh, starts, uh, kind of catches up to Mal. I mean, the worm box is pretty. It's in plain sight. It's just on the road there, and yeah, you see some kids like start to walk over to it, and like they look down at it, and like one of them starts to pick it up. Oh, I'm so conflicted. This child wants this box, but there's evil inside of it. It's a worm <laughs> with paper mache faces. I, I walk up to the child and hand him a gold piece and just take the box and walk away. The child, like, holds the gold piece and is like, oh, and, like, the, the friends start to gather around and be like, no way, Lucky, I was going to grab it first. Oh. <laughs> so, uh... So you find yourself on the road, heading back to the cultist camp. So, oh, I was—I was gonna say I would like to talk to Mal Amara for a second. It's kind of like that awkward, close thing. I'm like glancing over, and there's like half an hour long. Lance has just been like kind of glancing over, and then as soon as he realizes that Mal Amara realizes he's looking, he looks away, and then like <laughs> goes on for like thirty minutes. Then finally, he's like, "How are you feeling?" Um. Uh, good. Uh, and 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 you? Uh, oh, um, splendid. Um, great. Good. Good. I am. Uh, I'm. 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 Not. Not good at talking. Even though apparently some reason I kind of was at the cultist camp earlier. Um. Okay. I. You almost died. Uh, yes, I was there. Yes, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I wasn't there to, um, to help you. What, what do you mean? You were doing exactly what Uh, you were supposed to be doing. You helped all of those people escape. That was the, that was the point. I, yes, yes, I just, I, um, I should have, I should have known that you would have needed help. And I let you go and do your thing. And I, 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 I should have, I should have been there to help you, and I'm sorry for that. Well, I accept your apology, but there's. <sighs> it's taken me a long time to realize this, but there's nothing that you could have done. That there's, <clears throat> I was going to, but I was going to do st- stupid things anyway. I was always going to go after them, and I really shouldn't have. And yeah, I, made I was going to talk to you about dumb that. decisions. Um, no, yeah. I yeah I was going to talk to you about that. Um, I I yes it was a dumb decision, um, incredibly not careful and um, but I should have I should have thought of that too, and I didn't. So I, I've just I just want to make sure that you'll 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 be okay and I want you to know that I will do everything within my power to make sure that does not happen again. Well, that's very nice of you. I haven't had anybody. <laughs> I haven't had anybody to watch my back since my brother, so, you know, how about how about we make a deal? I watch your back, and you watch mine, and if we're doing something dumb, we'll call each other on it. 
and maybe stop making dumb decisions. Probably not, though. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I like that. I like that plan. Um, I want to. I just want to make sure that we're thinking everything through, and I don't want me not to see a potential hazard to 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 get somebody hurt. And so, I like that plan. I like that a lot. Thank you. Thank you for making that suggestion. And um, cool. Uh, yeah, we should uh, we should uh, you know yeah, probably um, catch up to Fleeple, and uh, he seems like he's getting a yeah. little ahead of us. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, what's that? <laughs> I just, start, <laughs> I just start walking, <laughs> just looking a different direction. <laughs> Love it. When they when they reach me, I've picked a flower and I'm just pulling on petal by petal off and tossing them in my mouth like chips. <laughs> does that lovely? Does that taste good, Fleeple? <laughs> Not really. Then why <laughs> are you doing it? It's a habitual thing. Sometimes you just want something in your mouth. Why not? You like your salami. You have salami in your bag. And several various cheeses, I believe. Oh, those are bad by now. I, I gave them back to Bevan. I felt bad about it. Oh, that was kind of Oh, you. yeah, I kept mine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will need somebody to roll me a nature check here. If only we had a druid. If only we had a druid who had good intelligence. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could, but it feels more natural for Fleeple to do it. Yeah, I've got a plus one to nature, and I can always guidance myself, I suppose. I got a three. That's far better than me. I have a negative one. You got it, Fleeple. You got it. All right, let's make it happen with an eight. I got a, I got a four on my d4. Filippo, you are leading this, the Jank Squad here, and Mal and uh, Lance are just uh, deferring to you. You being part of nature, you uh, seem to have sort of affinity to it, and all of you have been there before, so you should know exactly the path to take. You should know where it is and how to get there. And it's not until sundown happens where you all realize, huh, this eight-hour walk, and we've only made it three hours into it. The eight hours that you spent walking, you've uh, somehow taken detours, gotten a little bit lost, um, and you have made some progress, but not uh, the swift progress that you had previously. I do have a question. With my background as an outlander, I get something called, I'm a wanderer, which means I have an excellent memory for maps and geography. And I can recall general layouts of terrain. Hey, there you go. Okay. Nice. But it's not a role or like, I don't know how that translates. I don't know how that that ability translates to roles. Because <laughs> I don't have any nature roles, but. Right. So we'll say this. You've been there before. Therefore, you do recall the geography. Could that give advantage to Fleeple? Uh, so let's say this first day, since the rules already happened, all of you were just distracted. But the next day, with uh, Mal having the um, knowledge of what of where you have gone before and her recalling this, uh, the next day should be a lot faster. You should be able to make a lot better time, maybe even make up some of the time. But the, the night has come, and uh, the sun is starting to set. The moon is uh, bright in the sky. It's not quite a full moon anymore, but it is still bright in the sky. Not so so cloudy. Unless the party would like to uh, continue through the night, I assume you set up camp and maybe take, some, take watches. Yeah? Sounds good to me. Okay. 
in a very similar clearing off the road, you make yourself a fire and uh, who's, I guess, what's the order of the watches here? I'll take first watch. Okay, Mal's first. Lance being an elf can just trance through the night, can't he? Yes, he just has to meditate for four. So if he takes third watch, at least he'll sleep enough and then take third watch. So I can take first watch and take the next two, technically. You want to take the first two or the last two? I will take the... I'll take the last two. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So it sounds like Mal for the first and then Lance will be the last two. Okay. Fleepool just wants to get out of duty. <laughs> well, isn't there four Isn't there four shifts a night? I thought there was three. Because I, I thought it was there each two hours. Two, four, six, eight. I mean, it's really whatever you guys would like. Don't make it complicated, Mickey. So for simplicity, we'll say Mal does the first shift and Lance does the rest of the night. Great. So, Mal, go ahead and roll me a perception check while uh, Lance and Fleeple bed down for the night. Oh, that's a good first roll. 18. 18. Your watch is very shortly, very soon after the sun has gone down. And so it takes Lance and Fleeple a little bit of time to get in their meditative or sleep-like state. And you're very alert. Uh, you're just glancing around, listening to the owls, listening to uh, the various wildlife. And with your your roll of an 18, you said? Yes. You actually do hear something in the bushes. Oh, good. You are just sort of minding your own business, and all of a sudden you hear something, and you immediately grab your spear. And as you sit up and you look over in that direction, out of the clearing jumps a beautiful deer. Hmm. And it sort of, like, jumps into the clearing, and it just looks towards your fire blinks its eyes for a second and then it just goes to grazing around your area oh poor deer chose the wrong clearing to jump into don't don't kill don't kill bambi's mom don't kill bambi's mom it's not bambi it's rambi's mom it's the ip friendly bambi's rambi okay i assume uh it sounds like you want to do something then yeah sorry i got distracted with rambi Gripping the spear in her hands, Malamar growing up in a, a hunter background, she quietly stalks around and kind of flanks the deer in a advantageous way, stepping as quietly as she can, and then try and get it right between the ribs with her spear with two hands. I will have you just roll a stealth check and then an attack roll afterwards. Seven. Seven. As you stand up and you start to stalk towards the deer, it's just grazing, still grazing. It found a nice patch and it's staying right there. And as you get really close, uh, you didn't realize you were holding your breath. And as you are about to stab, you go, <sighs> and you let out just this, it's almost imperceptible, like uh, just release of air. But the deer picks up on it and immediately just bounds away into the bushes and the trees away. Other than that, your watch is uh, pretty un uneventful. Being annoyed at this deer getting away, I realized that really my biggest downfall was that I don't have my pseudo dragon with me. So for the rest of my watch, I'd like to ritual cast my fine familiar. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Uh, so you spend a good uh, 10 minutes. Easy enough. We made some house rules for it. So on podcast, I wanted to do with the house rules. So we said... If the fine familiar is not already conjured, it takes an hour and 10 minutes, which is the ritual cast. If 
Um, we want to change, if I want to change the preacher that it is, it only takes 10 minutes, but it still takes the incense. And then during battle, it gets its own initiative and it gets one attack on its turn. Absolutely. So after that one hour and 10 minutes, uh, Philippe will, just as you're about, you're, as you're waking up, you see a very familiar puff of smoke. And that puff of smoke reveals the pseudo dragon that has been brought into being here. The one very similar that uh, Mal had conjured into being uh, previously as well that had been killed by the other kobolds. And as it puffs into existence here, it looks towards you, Flippo, and goes, This very unearthly sound coming from an animal. But with no issue, she and her familiar go to bed while you take over watch. Uh, Why don't you go roll me a perception check, please, Flippo? Perception, I'm going to guide myself. Ah, it's an 11. 11, okay. So as you gaze into the darkness and you're staring at the stars, your fingers are just tracing over your symbol of Bahama over and over and over. And although you don't necessarily notice anything in the shadows or notice anything on your watch, you find yourself being more contemplative of this newfound direction that you have that some might say being was thrust upon you, but you question whether it's destiny. You whether you question whether it's it was always meant to be this way. Understanding where you came from in your tribe and and exactly how the conditions ended with you leaving them, you can't help but feel this is this is right, and this is good. And without issue, your watch comes to a close as well. And Lance, not really sleeping, but just. After, like, the exact four-hour mark, eyes open up, and Lance can take over the watch so Fleeple can finish uh, his night's sleep. So, Lance, go ahead and roll me a perception check. Alrighty. That's a non-natural 20. Okay. Feeling rejuvenated from your meditation, which you always do. You are able to be aware of all of your surroundings, and it's odd. There's this deer that comes into the clearing and, like, skirts like on the outskirts of the fire and if a deer could like stare at you you feel like it'd be staring at you and yeah it's very it's very unusual but other than that there is no discernible uh discernible noises in the night is the deer um, just hanging out no it's just like it's just seems to be like uh grazing moving moving on a path and this there's like a good patch of like grass there i mean is it hanging around the clearing the whole time not the whole time, just like for like five minutes, then it runs off. But before your watch ends, Mal, you were sleeping. And as you sleep, you don't often dream, but when you do dream, it's never really good. And tonight is no exception of that. The first thing that hits you is not a sight, it's not a sound, it's not a color or a flash or anything, it's this memory of a smell. And it, you feel yourself inhaling this smell into your nostrils, though you know what that smell is, what it will do, and you you try to resist it, but it's involuntary, and the smoke begins to fill into your lungs, and instantly, your body goes on alert. And that's when the flashes start occurring in your dream, as as you slightly toss a flash of a tent overturned half of it burned, the other half slashed. 
another image just flashes and you see your hands moving around in the snow and you pick up a doll that's been ripped in half before letting it fall back into the snow and then another flash another flash 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 before the final flash is this raging bonfire a bonfire that despite you trying to close your eyes you still see it through your closed eyelids and no matter what you do you feel the immense heat overcome your body your face your back no matter where you turn you can't escape it it is there enveloping you engulfing you almost and you feel yourself fall to your knees just holding your face as this intense heat this painful heat starts to subside subside some more then subside some more and that roaring bonfire is not roaring anymore but it actually is a familiar crackling sound and as you slowly lift your head from your hands you see this small campfire in front of you with a ring of stones around it to contain it you're in a different clearing as you start to take into your surroundings a voice off to your left goes fascinating force isn't it fire can be so unpredictable and you turn and see a man with leathery skin laying on his bedroll half of his body propped up facing the fire directly you can control a lot about it you can stoke it or give it more fuel to keep it going put it out if it gets too wild heck you can even give fire life itself but still and the man leans forward staring directly at the fire almost ignoring you there's always an element of unpredictability you can't account for and a smile starts to slowly spread across his face <laughs> and i guess that's what draws me to it this leathery individual looks over to you and goes you and your friends have been on quite an adventure malamaro and takes more casual stance now, leaning back on his bedroll. Uh, I must say I'm surprised you didn't uh, call on me when you felt you needed that extra strength like you had previously. And he just lets the silence hang in the air, eyes staring at you. And as you keep staring into his eyes, occasionally you see the fire illuminate into his eyes. She'll try to get up to like a sitting, same sitting position looking at him. And looking at him, is this Malamar's grandfather that she sees in front of her? Although his face resembles the man you knew, the man you loved, there's that intensity in the eyes that does not speak of the man that you once knew. And you know exactly who this is. I have been drawing on that power, but I, I need more. I need more of it. And I, and I don't know how to get it. Well, I'll have to say, uh, I have been watching and I have noticed you've been, smiles to himself, using my gifts. Heck, the way you took down that half-orc lady, my, now that was a sight to behold. Shame you didn't kill her, though. Shame you let her live. But you say you don't know how to get more power. Well, all you gotta do is ask, Malamaro. 
All right, what do I have to do? Well, an explanation of why you didn't come to me in the first place might be nice. How? I, I've tried calling out your name. I, I've written your name in the sand. I've, I've even been watching Fleeple with his symbol. Do you have a symbol? How am I supposed to reach you? You come to me when it's convenient for you. <laughs> you got a point there. I don't necessarily make myself readily available. Fair point. He lifts his finger up to you and kind of points to you. I'll give you that. And I can't say I'm not entirely surprised either at your choice. When this whole thing was kicked off, we always knew that your fire within was that rage that drew me to the first place. So I can respect that. But now that I'm here, is there anything... And he turns his head downwards in sort of a knowing, somewhat wicked smile that I can help you with now. After my last encounter, gradually using the sword more, I think I've started to unlock that that rage and that fire you saw that my grandparents feared that Grant tried to teach me to push down and it just, it felt so good to use that sword and to, to destroy with it. And I think that I think if you help me, if you you gave me magic, and that magic isn't enough anymore. And I need new, more powerful magic if I'm going to continue forward. Or you can have the sword back and find someone else. Oh, Malamara, I, I don't want to take that. That was a gift to you. And you've been using it. I've been... I've been know, I know that you've been appreciative of it, and... Your grandparents didn't understand this gift that you have. They didn't understand how it could be used. Mal, go ahead and roll me a persuasion check. 19. 19. You see this individual, like, biting their tongue, swishing something around in their mouth, and as they spit out, you see that just, they spit out blood um, from their mouth, and... Now, I don't normally do this, but I want to help you out. I want to help you. And he reaches over to you, not being too far from him directly. And he sorts, uh, just grabs your forehead. Not forcefully, just a little firm. And as you look into his eyes and he looks into yours, you just see his eyes. What was reflecting the firelight now is the fire and his entire black pupils, they are burning fire. And you feel his hand on your forehead just, and your skin is burning underneath his touch. And it's painful, it hurts a lot. And you find yourself screaming, and screaming as loud as you can. It is very painful. And just as you can't take the pain anymore, he thrust you back very forcefully away from you and as you fall backwards onto the ground you wake up and Lance you finishing your watch about to wake everybody Mal just sits straight up in her sleeping bag and she's breathing panting you okay yeah I just uh Sorry, bad dream, you know, just, uh, sorry, I'll just, uh, give me a second. What were you, what were you dreaming about? 
She'll let that question just hang in the air and she'll move off farther away from everybody and give herself a second. Lance, with your passive perception, it's easy to know in the uh, rising sunlight here, but Mal's forehead has a huge red burnt spot where it was perfectly fine when she went to bed. It is like somebody took a stick of fire and just like shoved it at her forehead and it looks like it's very chapped, almost bleeding. Um, And Mal, you feel this still, even though you're outside of the dream. And as you walk away, Mal, you kind of touch up to an ow. And it is very fresh to the touch still. Fleeple, Fleeple, wake up. (laughs) Yes? Um, keep an extra eye on Malamara today. Something's off. All right. She's, something's off. I'm not sure what it is. What? What are you doing with that box? Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to get to Candlekeep someday, and no, they've got to have some kind of answers for I us. I asked the guy about that, and it was, it was, it was a worm, creepy, weird masks. I threw it away on purpose. Well, you are now, carrying around a dead, rotting creature. Well, I, I mean, I've been carrying around salami for a long time, which is basically the same thing. No, it's not. You're not going to eat the worm. You're, no, no, I'm not. It's evil. I'm not going to eat evil. Well, then why carry evil around? Just bury it or something. Because to know your enemy, you must know, you must learn. I'm going wanna, to yeah, learn yeah, about yeah, this what? worm. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta... <laughs> In order to know your enemy, you have to know your enemy. <laughs> the god of our existence obviously put this worm box into our path for a reason. That's obviously. Not... <clears throat> and I'm going to find out. Gods, gods don't put everything in our paths for a reason. So as this conversation is occurring, Mal, you're taking a moment to yourself and washing it and you're pseudo dragon just kind of flies and lands right next to you and is staring up at you and just kind of looking at you and just for everybody at the table and listeners what what invocation do you want instead of your previous one i think i'm going to take eldritch sight you can cast detect magic at will without expending a spell slot in exchange for my armor of shadows to cast mage armor on myself very good very nice and you just test it, and you cast this. And as you do, you do feel an intense aura of magic coming from your side. And you know that it works. All right. Well, as everybody has woken up for the day, gotten ready, now that we are aware of Mal's Outlander feature. Now that I'm aware of my Outlander feature. <laughs> no need for a roll here. Mal is able to recall the geography here and, uh, and understand and working with Fleeple, be able to pick out the sites and pick out exactly where the direction they need to go and be able to help them out. That's very generous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like features don't get used. I, I feel like features don't get used often. Well, as they I mean, could, it's, so. it's, it's, it's more generous of you to say that Fleeple was helping. Ah, Yes. <laughs> I don't want to damage Fleepo's, Fleeple's uh, ego. Yeah, he, there, he, so. he's a fan favorite. He doesn't need his ego damaged. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my question is, as you you know you're coming up on this uh, sunken valley, some might call it a caldera, uh, where the cultist camp was. So my, my question is, how would you like to approach it? Like, uh, you kind of left in a hurry up that uh, cliff face, 
Are we coming to the road side of it, or are we coming from the place we, the cliff side that we climbed up at the back? Honestly, it's your choice because uh, Mal uh, remembers both, and so with her feature and with all of you pointing out the direction, you could approach from really any angle that you'd like. My gut reaction is we go around by the wall where we climbed out so that we can look down on the caldera yeah, and see. That's my thought too. Uh, so with this, I'll have a group stealth check. Yeah, guidance. 15. I got a 7. I got a 6. Alright, so Lance got a 15. Fleeple got a 7. Mal got a 6. Okay. Lance, as you are hugging into the shadows and uh, not putting yourself in direct sunlight, um, it looks really cool. Uh, to the point where Mal and Fleeple are like, you know, we should probably try doing that. But being as unpracticed as they are, they actually are more bumping into themselves and not noticing where they're stepping. And this is very noticeable for when you make your make it up to the ledge. Now, before I describe anything uh, from that role, let me describe what you see in this caldera. As you recall, you were running. There was a ton of fire. And you can definitely see the aftermath of that. Where the two watchtowers were stationed, both of them are burnt to crisps. There is nothing left of both of the watchtowers, both of the entrance and the one uh, closer to the cliffs, uh, to the cave entrance. Both have just been completely decimated, completely burned. Although not as many as you would imagine there would be, there are still bodies on the lower portion near the cobalt camp um, that have been kind of just left. And like I said, it's not like an immense amount but there are occasional bodies there. The entire cobalt portion of the camp is just completely razed to the ground. It's almost like they burned everything that could burn, and I'm sure if they had salt, they would have salted it as well. And on the second portion of the camp, there is heavy, heavy damage. The main tent where you had your confrontation with Balaam and Mondath, no longer there. There are some uh, remnants of the arcane part of the camp some of those tents are burned while the others are just missing and then there are a variety like the recruiter's tent kava's tent she it is completely burned to the ground as well the second thing you notice not directly in front of the cave but i would say maybe a good hundred feet away from the cave there's actually like four individuals that are just sitting around a campfire from this distance, it is quite a distance. I'll have you, anybody who wants to, roll a perception check here. I will. Okay. I, will. I got 16. All right, Fleeble got 16. Mal? 16 as well. 15 for me. Okay, 16, 16, 15. Great. All of you, without needing to assist each other, are able to look down, and as you peer, these do not appear to be cultists. The odd thing about them is there seem to be a lot of, like worked hides um and they are wearing a lot of just heavy coats if you will and with your high high enough perception rolls you feel like these are more like trappers or hunters or like uh wanderers if you will and mal you especially pick up on this and you being an outlander yourself and with your history up in the north these just seem to be like a band or a, a, a grouping of different types of hunters while you're making this uh, perception roll here uh, and peering over the edge, Mal and Fleeple, both of you 
are on an uneasy, uneasy portion of the uh, rock wall. And so as you're peering down, Fleeple, you get like a little, lot of loose rubble. 150 feet down. And Mal, this is this. It's so abrupt that you you push off, and as you do, uh, you accidentally uh, even more loose rubble cascading down the side. Uh, and all four individuals, they uh, stop what they're doing. They look up to your direction immediately, and you're, you're quite a distance away, uh, at least a hundred feet away. But should we wave? I I wave <laughs> congenially. Uh, as you wave, Fleeple. One of the closest to you just raises their hand, waves back. And then after just awkwardly staring at each other for a while, that same one gestures you down. And I start climbing down. Well, we have to find out who they are. Come on. Well, I know that. I'm just... Go and roll me. Anybody wanting to climb down, go and roll me an athletics check, please. Oh, boy. Could I, like, go around the caldera to a less steep part? Uh, you can go back to the entrance that you originally entered. It would just take you, like, Or just tie off a to rope if you want to use a rope to get down. Didn't we use all of our rope? You did use quite a bit of your rope. Would we have taken it with us? I cut it. I cut it specifically so they couldn't follow us fall? up the caldera. Yeah. So that nobody could follow you up when you were escaping the camp. All right, I'll climb down. I'll climb down. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Fleeple, what did you roll? Five. Okay, sounds good. Lance? Seven. Sixteen. Okay. You guys wait here. I'll go get the rope. I told you. That's why I was trying to find a smaller part of this thing. So, as you are climbing down, Mal, it's very easy for you to start climbing down. And it's uh, not too difficult. So, you you make it down to the 150 feet before Lance and Fleeple do no sweat. And if you recall, this... This side of the cliffside, the reason why you chose it is because there were a lot of handholds. It wasn't like sheer cliff. The rope was just for speed and expediency. And so, Lance, you're able to make your way down without injuring yourself, but it takes you a while. And you are like, (sighs) and you're like panting by the time you get down. And Fleeple, your poor little arms. It's it's something really sad to see of of Cobalt just... And trying to like get down and uh, the last 30 feet for you your arms just give out and you actually do slip and you start to can fall. I try and catch him uh the last 30 I, feet i want to try and catch him i'm down there i know but i'm, I'm uh, right absolutely there too. lance can uh, be a both hero both of you lance and mal are both on the ground at this oh, point okay. so oh, cool. both of you could you could either roll i'll give you advantage mal you do it mal I actively exercise my implicit trust in my friends and just kind of spread myself out so there's more area to catch all right, Mal, what did you roll? What did you want me to roll? Oh, yeah, I got to tell you what to roll. Let's just say a strength check. So just add your strength modifier. Yeah, 14. 14. I mean, a kobolds are small creatures. Uh, you were able to, you knew that something like this might happen. And so easy enough, Fleeple, you just fall directly into Mal's arms. And it's a heavy impact. And it does like maybe bruise your back a little bit, but it doesn't uh, injure you to the point where you lose damage. So it, it hurts you both a little bit, bruising-wise, but no harm, no foul. The the other individuals in the firing, they go, Hey, you, why don't you come and join us? Come, come over to our fire. And that's where we'll go in tonight's episode of I Cast Fireball, actually. 
<laughs> Look at this. We've met people who are nice instead of horrible for once. Oh, just you wait. Just you wait. You'll show them that worm, and it's all over. <laughs> you dare show to us the, the, the face the of face. evil. <laughs> well, I, well, you've already seen Lance. Oh, burn. <laughs> oh, burn. But, um, yeah, okay, a well, molting we'll man. <laughs> Immolating, thank you very much. Immolating. You're molting. You're molting. You're like a snake, just you're, you molt. <laughs> no. That's going to do it for episode of iCast Fireball this week. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed li- listening, as always, as much as we enjoy playing. And from wherever you get your podcast from, please, 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 please leave us a five-star review. It really helps, as you know, and as I say every single week, it really helps boost our ratings, obviously, but really helps get into other people's recommended feeds to where they can start joining in on the adventure with us. Now, if you wanted to reach out to us more directly, you can email us at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, hear like what games you're playing, things like that and uh we're hoping to get the word out there and as always hoping to set this podcast on fire <laughs> well to get the most recent update for our content please follow us on instagram and twitter with the handle icastfireball20 that's the number two zero and there you can get all possible sneak peeks of upcoming episodes interesting insights from players and dms behind the scenes shots maybe even audio that we cut out from the podcast due to time or uh peek behind the curtain so to speak Now, we just want to give a quick shout out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where our resident kobold, Ned, takes a turn as a GM and runs through many one-month adventures using the fate-accelerated tabletop system. Whether you like tabletop games, improvisation, or hearing more from Ned, we recommend you go give him a listen. But as always, like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. And until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table, we've got... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Keep the fire going and see you next time.